the volume. Sports Gambling with Moneyline Monaco is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. I love betting on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Great odds and markets for the NBA, NHL, college basketball, and so much more. Awesome new and exciting user promotions. It's America's number one sportsbook. Easy to use, safe and secure. You get paid in as little as two hours. And how about this? It's incredibly fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. Discover the most popular same game parlays each day right when you log in on FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code MONACO so they know I sent you. Disclaimer. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342, Arizona, 1 888 789 7777, or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat, Connecticut, 1 800 Gambler, or visit fanduel.com forward slash RG, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, 1 877 770. Stop, Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK-467-369, New York, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee, visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. All right, welcome into another episode of Sports Gambling with Moneyline Monaco. I'm your host, Alex Monaco. Very excited to talk with a recent friend of mine in New York and a absolute stud in the world of sports law. My guy, Dan Lust, he is a sports attorney, a sports law professor at New York Law and the co-host of Conduct Detrimental. He deals with all things Sports law and sports betting as well via law. It's, it, it's a pleasure to be talking with you, Dan. Pleasure to join you. Uh, I have been, a, a, let's say, a sports betting expert for years, but now I can finally talk about it because sports betting is legal in my jurisdiction. Pleasure to join you, Alex. And I know before we begin, talk about your hand you had in legalizing New York. And just for people out there listening, whether they're in a legal state or not, maybe some exciting things you know on the inside about what's to come with legalization and sports betting. Yeah, so our podcast, Conic Detrimental, we're the intersection of sports and law. So sometimes that's going to be issues in particular sports, players not playing or, or playing. But when it comes to sports betting, we've had uh, different senators on from different states. We had Joe Adabo on as the uh, politician in New York who was behind the sports betting bill. And, you know, some of the stuff we can talk a little, Alex, like uh, name, image and likeness bills or sports betting bills or even like, you know, poker bills or whatnot. At the end of the day, it's all going to take politicians kind of coming together and picking one bill that they like. So it's usually like a, you know, a kind of battle whose bill is going to get picked. So we spotlighted Adabo. We thought that was the right one to do. And guess what? That one ends up getting picked. So we, we maybe played a small part in getting that bill um, out to the public and giving Adabo a little bit more of a platform to get through all the noise and get sports betting legal in New York. 
Well, we're grateful for you helping the cause over here. It's been an exciting run thus far the last few weeks in New York. I want to talk about some topics around sports. We'll start with the NBA. Just from your perspective, we are hearing the COVID laws are going to be changing with New York City, which, of course, directly affects, unfortunately, not the Knicks because it doesn't look like they're headed to the playoffs, but the Brooklyn Nets, particularly Kyrie Irving. I want to kind of get your perspective and then from a betting angle you know is this a good time before the mandate changes to potentially flirt with firing on anything nets futures before this all takes place um so i guess uh for my knicks right uh you can't lose a playoff game if you don't make the playoffs so there's that, right? <laughs> um you know but for the nets there's there's probably two betting issues that people should be paying attention to i i think people kind of jumped the gun a little bit early on this Kyrie news there is a change in the COVID law that's expected, uh, I think, later next week. Um, but people didn't really read the fine print. I think our, our friend Woj maybe was guilty of that a little bit. He said there would be a change in the law. But it, as it turns out, that change in the law, the relaxation of some of the uh, VAX laws, is really only applicable to private businesses. So, you know, the Barclays Center, for better or not, is a, you know, really a public space. People can kind of come and go. So that, uh, those changes in laws, at least this first change, aren't, is not going to be effective to the Nets. But the problem is... I know this is a betting show. People ran to their sports books. They popped up in their mobile app and they placed the bet on the Nets then. And then you had the clarifying tweets from Shams and Woj that said, actually, wait, um, the Kyrie aspect of this law is not going to happen yet, even though there's talks about it happening. It'll probably happen before the playoffs, just not yet. So I'm not sure if there's value there. So people are going to get the real tweet from Shams and or Woj and uh, people would have already made that. So We'll, we'll see what goes on there. I'm, I'm still curious, Alex, what's going to happen with, uh, you know, Ben Simmons. There's probably some legal aspects in there, you know, with the, this uh, back injury, mental health issues. I'm not really sure what's going on, if, if it's totally legal about what they're saying on the injury reports. But, you know, I think there's a couple issues that I'm monitoring with the Nets. Let's shift over to the MLB talk of the sports town right now. Can't wait to get your takeaway. There's so much to unpack. We know that the owners are not meeting the players halfway right now. I know a good amount. I don't know a ton. I know there's some big discrepancy with the 570 minimum salary players want 700 being one of them. I know the league took a long time to get back to the players twice. I believe what's the overall thoughts from your camp, from a a sports law perspective. And then how do you think it'll affect sports betting with baseball this season? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. So our, our show was pretty much on the ball with the COVID season. We we said on day one, uh, there was talks about a 100-game season. We're like, it's not going to happen. The the owners sat on their hands for a long period of time, and we go, that's, you know, if you're a labor lawyer, that's the strategy. Sit on your hands and wait until you start to lose games. It starts going to hurt the players. So we were always on the ball. I don't know if your, your sports books offered it, but uh, we were always on the under for whatever the games were going to be that Major League Baseball offered. Same deal, um, you know, with the NBA. It's usually the tactic from the owners to sit back, wait, wait for the players to get desperate, uh, and then maybe accept an offer they, they wouldn't otherwise do. So wow. I guess that's number that's number one. Um, we The second the owners locked out the players, right? They, we, we said at the time, it wasn't that big of a deal for sports betting. Everyone's going to bet on March 31st, opening day. You know, everyone's going to have their futures. Um, you know, but what happened in those first, uh, I want to say six weeks, right? We, we've known since 2017, the day that the CBA expired was going to be December 1st of 2021. We've always known that. So, Alex, they lock out the players, right? They should be ready to go. They've had four years to prepare for this day. They let 43 days go by 
before the Major League Baseball owners made their first offer. So people saying, you know, this is not fair and, and the players should have accepted. The owners ran out the clock 43 days and then only left themselves about, you know, another four or five weeks to get the deal done. That's got to be on the owners, right? The owners were the ones that locked the players out here. Oh, yeah. That is fascinating. So I know you are flirting with many sports books out there. Of course, this is a FanDuel sponsored show, but is there another over under option out there for games? And then what do you think here? I know the first two series are canceled. Are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? Are you somewhere in between that these two sides can come to an agreement somewhat soon? Well, there's, there's gotta be two levels to, if, I don't know, if there's a line out there, you can grab, but what Rob Manfred did this past week, um, you know, I just, I call it like I see it. Sometimes I like the, what the commissioner does. Sometimes I don't. For Manfred, most of the time, I do not like what he does. <laughs> um, but he goes out on Monday and he said, Monday, this is the day, February 28th. If we do not strike a deal this day, we're going to have to cancel the opening week of games. So I don't know. I'm sitting here. Okay. That's the deadline. So the players, I guess, get pretty close on Monday night. They start negotiating or they end up negotiating until like two, three in the morning. So then Manfred goes, ah, remember that hard deadline that was immovable? That was on Monday. We're going to move it back to Tuesday. So, you know, it, what, what Manfred has done in, in doing that is basically saying within a 24-hour period, hey, I was lying to you about that first deadline. Um, and I could have moved. It was, a, it was basically him saying it was a fake deadline that I created to put some pressure on you guys. So in, in, in the grand scheme of things, right, substantively, it's not that big, big of a deal, moving the deadline from Monday to Tuesday. But what it does tell you, is that Manfred, uh, you know, was exposed as not really being credible to the players. So they're not going to take him at face value if he makes another offer and if they say, hey, this is our last final. So I'm, I'm overall more pessimistic than, than maybe most. Um, I don't think the players were, were happy with Manfred kind of smiling at the press conference when he opted to cancel games. I'm just seeing comments from all players up and down that they were more incensed of the way that negotiations fell apart. In addition, Alex, of course, that 43 days. So, yeah, if there's a line to grab on the amount of games I'd probably grab the under. Um, and then, uh, you know, you got to worry about all those free agents like, uh, you know, Kyle Schwarber that are sitting out there. You know, um, I don't know what's going to happen. There's going to be a free agent frenzy uh, when those guys are, are picked up. So, you know, obviously pay close attention to, uh, you know, the dates and deadlines. And obviously get a big free agent window whenever this thing is uh, wrapped up. Do you have a ballpark, Dan, for what the over-under might be in this season? I mean, it's tough. It's tough. Um, you know, it would be odd, right, if we only lost a week of games uh, back in 94, right? We had a uh, Rob Dibble on my podcast who uh, lived through the 1984 strike. You know, those guys lost an entire half season. They didn't have the, the playoffs. They went straight from like July to that's it. Right. Um, so, and they lost you know, hundreds of games of baseball. So, you know, once you start, once you lose the game one, uh, this thing tends to roll on back in, uh, you know, the NBA lockout. And I think it was 2012. Those guys only lost about 16 games. They went from 82 to about 66. It was right in that vicinity. So that's the best case scenario, right? Those guys lost about 20% of the season. I think that's probably what we're looking at. I think that's a, a best case scenario at this point. Just from a MLB futures perspective, you go back to that COVID season. Of course, the the better teams rose to the occasion. Do you feel the same way the Dodgers, the Braves, the Astros – got throwing the Yankees, of course, and even the Mets. Do you think these types of teams will probably in a shorter season, if you're looking at it from a betting futures perspective, maybe have a competitive advantage if it's under 100 games? I mean, I guess we'll, we'll go no further, right, than the NBA bubble back in the day, right? Like, I got burned. I, I bet against LeBron. 
LeBron <laughs> is the ultimate leader, right? He had that team. He was a perfect leader for that team, and he led them through the bubble. And then on the East, right? Remember the Miami Heat? Like, that's the Pat Riley team, super disciplined team. Um, so I think those two, I mean, obviously basketball is a little bit different than baseball, but I don't know, go back to that baseball uh, COVID season, right? Who won the World Series? The Dodgers, right? Those were just right. the, the most talented team at the end of the day with some of the best, uh, you know, personalities in that clubhouse, a team that's been together for, you know, five, uh, five years, the core of that team, maybe, maybe a little more than that. So those are the teams that would be heading towards the teams that are, you know, spent, the, spent a lot of money on free agents that are still fairly young. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be looking towards them. So maybe, uh, you know, some of the blue bloods, it's the Dodgers, Yankees, the teams that have been around as opposed to just maybe like the Padres kind of being assembled over the last uh, year or so. Let's shift over to the NFL, Dan. A lot, a lot of off-season headlines. You know, there's a lot of ways we can go with this convo of things that you're obviously tapped in on. Can we start with a couple of big-time quarterbacks, a little Aaron Rodgers, even a Tom Brady? Um, we're hearing right now the Green Bay front office saying that there's no calls into Aaron Rodgers. You're in law. Is that just a straight tactic out of one of your guys type playbooks? Because I don't know how a back-to-back NFL MVP is not getting a single phone call if he's potentially open to leaving. And if there is a bet out there for him to be traded or not, do you think right now with the information, you know, that you would lean towards a yes more than a no? Well, Alex, I'm going to go out and live here. I'm a feeling that you're a Maury show guy, right? I have a feeling. <laughs> yeah. The, the lie detector determined that was a lie. You know, I, I, I just, I, I can't see it, right? This time last year, right around the draft, right, right around right, April of 2021, there was a ton of interest for Aaron Rodgers, right? There was a ton of teams making those phone calls. And that was with Adam Schefter providing like, whatever, what was it, like 48 hours notice before the draft, maybe less than that. So what has happened since then? Um, Aaron Rodgers won the MVP, so the fact that someone's going to tell me that his market has cooled off since then, I, I'm not really buying it, number one. So, um, you know, I, I do see, and I, I was looking at the futures odds this morning, um, you know, there's certain teams, I think, somewhat the price is being baked in. So that's like the Denver Broncos, um, you know, maybe even the Tampa Bay Bucks, like a ready-made, just missing a quarterback. Those are the teams that I would look at. I, I would find it very odd, right? If we just remember what happened last year, Aaron Rodgers, they said they were running it back one more time, right? And then uh, Aaron Rodgers posts the Instagram post, you know, when it looks like he's about to retire. So I don't know, either Aaron Rodgers is trying to get more money from the Packers or he's trying to make his way out, which I think would make a lot of sense for him and his legacy. It looks like, I mean, if I'm betting on it, why not take some speculative futures over on, on Denver, right? Or, or Tampa. Tampa's a ready-made team. They're ready to go. They just coming off a Super Bowl less than a year ago. Um, so yeah, that, that's where I, I, I think you're, you're in the right you know, throw a couple of bucks on, on those big 20 to one, 30 to one teams, they'll get moved. I, I, I do feel pretty confident about that. And in worst case, right, you got some, uh, some heavy tickets on the, on the Broncos over there. Absolutely. Let's talk about Tom Brady here. I'm, I'm just not buying it, Dan, that he is hanging it up and done. The, the timing of the retirement felt weird. Now we're seeing Bruce Arians coming out saying he's not going to help Tom go to another team. What does the law right now say about this retirement? I know your rights are owned to the team, at least for a season, if I'm not mistaken, once you hang it up and then come back. But is there any leeway, any legal leeway for Tom here? Even if, let's say, Aaron Rodgers comes to the Bucs, I would imagine that Arians would change his stance. But just from a from a law perspective on the Brady retirement, because I, I think he's coming back. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, so all, I mean, law is a fancy way of saying that we look at past historical precedent and we use it to try to figure out what's going to happen. That's called case law. It's called precedent. The one that comes to mind immediately in the scenario, which I've been you know thinking about the last couple of days, weeks, is the Brett Favre scenario, right? He left Green Bay and all the rumors were that he wanted to go to Minnesota. So what did he have to do? He had to spend a couple of years with uh, you know our hopeless Jets over here in New York. Uh, and then, uh, then he found his way eventually to Minnesota. So Brett Favre got around it. And I think the rule, um, I think the Packers really didn't want Favre to go to Minnesota, but he found his way there. If you're reading the message boards, which I tend to dive into once in a while, right? Uh, Tom Brady grew up as a Joe Montana kid, right? He's, uh, he's a California kid. So wouldn't be that crazy. And San Francisco is another team, maybe a quarterback away from really making it a very deep run. So legally, right, um, they're going to control his rights. He left. He still had uh, you know, some money on the books. Um, they're going to control his rights. So you know, they're going to require him to play some, some ball. And, and uh, you know, Alex, I was talking to you offline. Brady retired or announced his retirement before it was a couple million dollars that was supposed to vest into his bank account. And I had made the point, I'm like, it's not going to happen, but the Bucks could really screw him and, and hold these millions back because technically Brady announced his retirement. He wasn't on the roster by whatever this roster date bonus was. Um, so the Bucks did him a favor, right? And they, they didn't hold him over there. There was no grievance, no fight like Antonio Brown is having, you know, with, uh, with the Bucks now and like he had with the Raiders. So I, I'm not quite ready to close the door on the Brady Bucks chapter. We'll see. Maybe he could take a year off uh, and then come back. Um, but I'm telling you, at least from a legal perspective, the Bucks didn't have to pay him that money. They could have had an argument here. Um, and the way they did, you know, maybe that maybe that tells you the door is still open. So I'm not I'm not totally counting out the Bucks. Just these two massive quarterback MVPs, Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks being rumored to either go to Denver or San Francisco. How do we not consider firing on San Francisco? I would say more than even Denver for, on a futures bet. Do you think there's enough out there to want to fire on San Fran next season, at least when the NFC and or the whole thing? I mean, uh, you know, if you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's playoff numbers, right? I mean, they're winning in spite of him. And I, uh, you know, I, I don't mind Jimmy G as a person, but, you know, he he's, tends to not really show up in these big moments. Alex, I'll give you one further, which, uh, you know, we got Rodgers potentially going somewhere, maybe Brady switching teams. The one that's being talked about in our legal circles, I think, is it fair, fair to bring him up here, right? Deshaun Watson is technically, right, probably a top five quarterback in all of football. The guy was not suspended for last year. No criminal charges last year. Yet he did not play any way, shape, or form because of this, you know, looming specter that he'd get brought into a criminal case. Last I checked, there was interest for Deshaun Watson at the trade deadline last year. Carolina Panthers and again Denver Broncos keep popping up. So if the 49ers are ready to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, we just talked about three names that are, I think, unquestionably on everyone's top ten lists in all of football: Rodgers, Brady, Deshaun Watson. You know, they all have their different issues in terms of availability. But I think this is the year to start speculating on some teams to make a really big move in the quarterback department. From your legal perspective, do you think, in short, that Deshaun will play football next season? Uh, it's all about risk tolerance, right? We remember uh, back in the day when the Astros traded for Roberto Osuna when he had those uh, domestic violence stuff hanging. I do, yeah. You know, the Astros won the World Series that year, but they got killed from a PR perspective. So the question is whether a team's going to take that risk. I mean, the guy has, there's been no criminal charges for a year. There still might not be. We don't, we don't really know yet, um, but it did stop the Panthers, the Dolphins, the Broncos from making those phone calls. So I think a team's going to take a, I think a team might try to trade from 10 cents, 20 cents on the dollar if the Texans are ready to, to you know, cut bait. Um, but you know, owners are making those calls right now. Um, and you know that people are being asked about it at every press conference. So 
Um, if it's me, Alex, honestly, I'm not ready to take that PR hit and put my GM legacy on the line for a guy that I don't know if he's going to go to prison or not, God forbid. Um, but I, I think some teams will, right? The, the end of the day, the NFL is a sport about winning. Sean Watson's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. Mike Vick got a second chance, right? Ben Roethlisberger has a long and healthy career after his stuff. So, you know, we'll see. Guys have had second second chances in the NFL. We'll, we'll see what comes of it. I want to get you out of here with this. The Brian Flores story was one of the bigger stories in the offseason thus far here. And I was really rooting for him. He ends up landing in Pittsburgh. What's some things you learned from a, from a sports law perspective about what he was hoping to accomplish, what he may still be hoping to accomplish, and how do you think it ultimately shakes out between him and the NFL? Or do you think it's already onwards and upwards for him since he landed in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I mean, I'll, uh, I think we should unpack it. And the other team that we should be looking at from a futures perspective, I think, is the Steelers, right? We've talked about three teams that need a quarterback. Roethlisberger is taking a trip to Canton. That spot is wide open as well. Um, and the reason I want to bring that up here, let's just we'll unpack some legalese for a second. I'll kind of go as, as high of a level as we can, then we can talk about the, the, the sports side of it. But Brian Flores has sued all 32 NFL teams. And, you know, and, and he's kind of targeted his claims, particularly against the Giants, the Dolphins, and the Broncos for what he called were sham interviews that just were purely done to satisfy the Rooney rule. And with the Dolphins, that he sh- wouldn't have been fired but for his skin color. And those are some really heavy allegations. So, um, you know, I got to start from a really high level. Um, the Rooney rule that I just mentioned was created by the chairperson. I think it you know, was one of the Rooney family. I think it was Dan Rooney um, created that rule. He was the head of the you know, diversity task force with the NFL. That rule was named after him. Mike Tomlin, at the time that Brian Flores filed this lawsuit, was the only African-American head coach in the NFL. There's a reading of this lawsuit, just as my you know, legal eye, that Flores kind of had to sue all 32 NFL teams. But if you just read the content, he's basically going after every team but the Steelers. He's saying that that's the only team that's kind of doing it right here. So, you know, Flores goes over uh, to the Steelers. He's the, obviously the most, uh, I don't think this is controversial, the most uh, overqualified linebackers coach in the history of the NFL. And he's sending a message, right, that the Steelers organization does it the right way. So, um, you know, I've, I've seen the, the rumor mill, right? Maybe Brady wants to make a statement for his legacy, go win a title over with Pittsburgh, right? That, that's a place that I think in, in, you know, in our culture of 2022, the Steelers are, are basically being said that you guys are the only one that's been ahead of this from a diversity standpoint. So you got to read that messaging. But, uh, you know, if you're taking some flyers on futures, Steelers are, you know, Big Ben couldn't throw the ball more than 10 yards. That's another team, another quarterback away from uh, making some real moves. But that's, uh, you know, Alex, how my sick mind uses sports law and sports betting. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse. Dan, you've been an absolute pleasure to talk to a wealth of information you're, you're great at what you do everyone listening make sure to check out dan lust on twitter and his podcast conduct detrimental any last thoughts any last futures you want to throw out here before uh we we head out for a, a future beer um i alex i got a good one for you are you ready for this yeah are you, are you sitting down i'm watching oh, i'm, si- oh, like I'm sitting, sitting down, down baby Okay, so my, my biggest win in 2022 was a sports law tip analysis, right? There was something here. We followed very closely the Novak Djokovic tennis saga, um, and we, wow. we studied the Australian law, and we were ahead of this. We said he's going to get kicked out of the country. He lied on his passport or whatever he wanted to. We don't have to get into the, the nonsense. But we said, I, we studied Australian law, and we go, he's going to get kicked out. It's a no-brainer. So we told that to the listeners of our podcast at a time when your sponsor, FanDuel, is offering that at 10 to 1 odds. And we told our listeners, listen, the odds are going to reflect like Novak's like minus 125. If he's kicked out, everyone's going to drop down. 
Nadal will go from 10 to 1 to something else, whoever. Uh, Medvedev, I, I learned way too much about tennis solely for this bet. <laughs> um, but we, we said pick Nadal. He's one of the greatest of all time. Go with Nadal. Nadal wins. Now, here's, here's your tip moving forward, Alex. So we gotta, our listeners are listening to our crazy tennis advice at this point. Um, right now, it is illegal for Novak Djokovic to play in the French Open. It's not possible. The French, uh, French sports ministry has said his, his exemption, the reason he said he, he doesn't need to get the vax, we are not accepting that. For some reason, we can shout out Fandle. They want, they want everyone's business. They still have Novak as the second favorite in the pool, right behind uh, Nadal. I think, I think the Novak is like plus 210. I don't know why the guy would be playing. So I think you're going to get some really good odds if you're going to bet on someone not named Nadal. If you want to bet someone between like three and six or Alex, here's my specialty because you know I'm a sicko here. I parlayed Nadal futures, right, to win the French Open. And I took my pick uh, of uh, Wimbledon. I like Danny Medvedev at plus 700, but nice payouts over here for some sports law tips. Wow, that is phenomenal insight. I'm in the weeds, there. Alex. I told He's you. in the I'm weeds. In Make sure you follow him. Check him out. This is how, look, we're all a community trying to get better at sports betting. I, I feel already invigorated from this conversation, Dan. It was an absolute pleasure having you and look forward to chopping it up again soon, my friend.